Connecting. We're late for a very important date. We're late, we're late, we're late. Terry. Alvin, Alvin, Your Alvin. Your is not connecting, but it will eventually. Get, get tuned up, Alvin, and come out here and see the people. Tax the rich, feed the poor. Tell their own rich no There we go. We're sure trying to, at least what we can affect, part of it. And here we go with another stab at that in a two-hour block. It's the Thursday block edition, the 18th, I believe, 18. That's what it says. Desiocho in Spanish, the 18th of January. And uh, Roger Sales, your host here, Radio Ranch, the title label of our little daily, yeah, six days a week, daily get together here to help you folks find out, understand, and get your arms around your freedom. So welcome. Welcome to you. Uh, uh, we're on a number of different platforms. Paul usually uh, gets his 15 seconds of fame here. And so we're going <laughs> to inject him and go over this and get that out of the way. And we can get to the business at hand, as they say. Right. Okay. Um, um, one quick piece of business, uh, area code 267, Pennsylvania, I believe you are unmuted in the conference room. Please mute yourself with star six. Thank you. Um, and uh, we're on eurofolkradio.com. Thank you, Paul English. We're also on Global Voice Radio Network. We're mirrored there. That is radio.globalvoiceradio.net. We are on uh, 106.9 WBOU FM in Chicago, and we're on HomeNetwork.tv and FreedomNation.tv. Thank you, WDRN Productions. Lots of exciting stuff going on over there. We're on Go Live TV and StreamLife.tube. Thank you, StreamLife Networks. Morning, Roger. How you doing? Yikes. Morning. I'm all right, Paul. I hope everybody else is all right, too. Uh, since we got a few new listeners, probably some folks that are f- relatively new to the program and what we do and what we think and what we teach here uh, since Tuesday night with uh, Daryl and his Republic call. Um, and uh, uh, we were talking right before the show went on the air. I think I got a real good segue for you. Here, Paul, we were talking right before we went on the air about the fact that we used to start and have for all these years at three minutes after the hour. That's when Mm -hmm. we started the program. Well, you know, I've been around this broadcast stuff since old blue was a pup. Okay. I mean, I, I was around radio in my early twenties, slap smack, smacky mouth disc jockey and got into the record business. Some of you may not know my background was in the big time professional record industry for OEN and around it for 20 years, working directly for labels, uh, calling on radio stations to try and get them to play records and working with bands. And when I got finished with about 10 years of that, I taught uh, broadcasting and record promotion motion a couple other classes too but those were the main two at the art institute of atlanta for 10 years so i was directly and peripherally uh, that was my career that's when i found the tax movement when i had a bunch of time on my hands and i was teaching so but in all that affiliation with the 
broadcast industry in and out of it, close to it, talking and uh, taking some of the finest programming minds in the business out, you know, and spending time with them in meals or whatever. Yeah. I've never heard of anybody starting a show at three minutes after the hour. <laughs> That's the point of that whole thing. Okay. I mean, but by the time when we first set up my network, which we originally tried called People's Patriot Network, that's why you see that PPN stuff around. It it is, uh, that's when we were doing that. And Paul was the man that put all this together and he had some kind of a intro for three minutes that was scheduled. I'm sure over there, you know. And so that was his way of thinking. He doesn't have a broadcast background per se. And, um, and he didn't understand that. I mean, we weren't on the same page and I wasn't going to fight him over it either. Not at that point of the whole process. So anyway, we just let it go for years and I'm commenting on it now because Paul English has his own program and our Paul is uh, interacting with him a lot over there and they're both techno geeks and, and they can help each other out and Paul's doing stuff for him. And, uh, so, uh, at the end of a show, I guess last week, right? Wasn't it last Thursdays? Uh, you you mentioned, so well, cause I've mentioned it to Paul. I don't know why we do this start third of the hour. And, uh, he said, Oh, we, but we have a th- little three minute something in there. Well, he didn't realize we were talking about the other network and he'd go to check here. And of course they don't have this, that on Eurofolk radio. It wasn't there. Right, Paul, there was no kind of buffer. We just started it three minutes after the hour. Anyway, so they shifted it. So now we start like everybody else at the top of the hour. All right. Now, what that, in thinking about it, brought to mind was a story I heard first by Pastor Peters. Some of you have probably heard this uh, years ago, and he attributed it to himself. I'm not sure if it was to himself or he was just adapting it to his usage there. But uh, he attributed it to himself and his wife that died of cancer before he died, unfortunately. And he said that when they were uh, cooking pot roast, that he'd always noticed that his wife would cut the pot roast, the ends off the pot roast. Okay. And so he noticed it over uh, a long time. And so finally one day he says, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? And she said, oh, it's because that's the way we always did it at home. And so the next time they were together for a big family thing, and he went and asked her mother and said, you know, I keep asking her, and she says that that this is why they always do it. Why do you do it that way? And she said, oh, because when we were first married, we didn't have a pot big enough to put a whole pot roast in, so we cut it in half. <laughs> and it stuck. Okay. Wow. I'm sure some of you heard that before. Pretty interesting, though, isn't it? I, I really thought you were going to say, uh, I don't know, that's the way my mom always did it. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And it went back to the fact they didn't have a big enough pot when they were young and poor and first married, and so they had to cut it in half and cut or cut the ends off, whatever, to make it fit the small pot. And that tradition, even though you had larger pots and could afford it, continued because of that fact with its roots there. Okay, Kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, really. Very. Okay, well, I'm going to draw an analogy now, okay? 
uh, yesterday's show, and I, I got a little bit contentious. We had an overflow of these new folks, and first time after we got finished with here at the start, and we opened up the show, and we had, I think it was Elise. And Elise, yeah, obviously. Elise. You know, uh, I was thinking about Elise and she unloaded on us with all the, her, her story. And I'm sure she felt better telling it. Okay. Getting it off your chest. Cause obviously she had some problems lately. Okay. But we, we can't help with any of that. It's water under the bridge and it kind of burdens us a little bit too, but I understand the situation. Okay. So finally we had to. Right color down say okay well how can we help you what is it that you need that we can help you with rather than all this well that kind of got me a little bit uh off off stride paul okay mm-hmm. and uh the complexity of it and I, i'll tell you what came to my mind was when i was young in the 50s and television was first around there was a program that used to come on i don't remember what night but i remember the way it opened and it was like a black screen right with kind of the drawings of city buildings in the back and, and i think it was called the naked city do you remember that any of y'all remember that the naked city you remember that paul um vaguely well it would open up yeah, every and show you've used the phrase yeah, there are eight million tales in the naked city. Yeah, and that's kind of yep. what I think about right. when I, you know, get exposed to stuff like Elise. And I'm sorry for what's gone on. I, I always fall back on some some merit. I fall back on the uh, oh the statement I heard by Doctor Lorraine. Uh, oh, who's what's what was her name? Doctor Laura. Doctor Laura. Remember her. Pretty pretty sharp talk show. Yeah, she was a, a, a goy and married a, a Jew and changed her name. Schlesinger, that's how that happened. Anyway, she had a very popular show, very common sense gal from back in those days, or about 20 years ago. And I was listening to her show one day, Paul, and she said something. Struck me, because here I am all these years later talking about it. I put it in front of the most argumentative of people, and I can't even get the the biggest devil's advocate person I know to rise to it. And that statement is we're all where we are because of choices we've made. That's exactly true. Hey, Joe, Joe in Oklahoma, do you have a comment or, or, or a question? I I see you're unmuted. Don't know if you know, I Ah. I bumped it accidentally, Paul. Thank you. I'm sorry. My apologies. (laughs) Just want to make sure you didn't have a comment. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. You talk to Dr. Gene. Tell him I'll get a hold of him. I'll reach out, give him a few more days to get the snow melted or whatever. Okay, anyway, well, that's what I think of. Yeah. We'll uh, get him right, on eventually. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Anxious to me uh, to talk to him more, too, really. Uh, regardless, so... Um, we're all where we are because of choices we've made, at least I'm sorry for all that. I, uh, I'm not sure your solution to do is get out and do some traveling. I don't know if this is a great time to be traveling the world from everything I see, but you know, you got to make your own decisions. Um, and oh, then yeah. after that it was followed by Steven, remember that came on and told me I was wrong about the birth certificates, right? Yeah. Um, 
You know, I I, I was kind of had a, had a little bit of pride in the fact I've been doing this for almost 13 years, best I can tell. Coming up here in, in March is when we started. Nobody's ever come on and, to my knowledge, proven any fact I've ever put forward wrong, Stephen. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just FYI. Uh, I know you're, you're new and the, probably I'm guessing, I don't know if Steven's with us today or not. I hope he is. Okay. Cause we're going to go into the birth certificate today, especially for you new people, just to let you know how we kind of do things around here and, and why we come to conclusions. We do that to my knowledge, most people in the 30 years I've ever been in the Patriot community have never come to, and most of their shit or virtually none of their shit works and mine works every time and has for 12 years. So keep that in perspective. Okay. Yeah, All right. Uh, uh, okay. What, Real quick. Let, oh, yes. This is Jack in Colorado. I just wanted to say something about yesterday's show. Um, being a new person, I've only been with you guys two months, but I actually liked yesterday's show because it was um, highly entertaining, and it's. I think it's good to hear. There's so many different philosophies out there and, and um, takes on this that I think it's good for us to hear the errors and the, and the incorrect information. Well, I I agree. You, Jack, I totally agree with you, and that's why we're doing this follow-up show today, okay? Because yeah. honestly, so, in 13 years, nobody has ever told me I'm wrong about anything on the air, and nobody's ever certainly proven any fact that I've ever put out to be wrong. I might have yeah. a date wrong or a name wrong or somebody's middle initial wrong. That's not a major defect. I'm talking about major planks of everything we do. Okay. Yeah, there's some. There's some. And and the, I have a question too about the passport application, but I think it's it's really good for us to hear that some of this information is incorrect. But I'm glad that we had that show and and that we you know covered a, a lot of those errors. Okay, super. Well, certainly well, a little chaotic. Yeah. Well, it was, and see, it upsets me because I don't like to get contentious with the listeners. I'm I'm here to help you, and I'm bending over backwards to try and do so. And at times, you get contentious or contentious people or contentious issues, and I just don't particularly feel comfortable with it. I don't want to get into that type of media like Hannity and Combs where it's, you know, uh, arguments and all that shit. I, I'm I'm here to do something constructive, Jack, and that's to get people like you and as a vessel and fill you up. And what I want to fill you up with, I want to be as true as I know it to be. Okay, and I'm I'm very finicky and fanatical about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Roger. So yeah, my yeah. question is. Um, Right. About, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to wrap my arms around like what being a national means as far as like man-made laws versus common law laws and like what uh-huh. is to a national. And all right, he called in and mentioned okay. this the other day after hours. But my question is, and we I've also heard I've been listening to a lot of shows and I hear you always talk about not lying on the passport and like wondering how these uh, whiskey moonshine people are getting away with. Begging your parents mm. are national. Look, let me just ask this: What law? If you're, if you, what law are you breaking if you lie on the passport? Because um, passport fraud. Nobody's getting passport. Yeah, but it, it was, passport fraud. When you sign the penalty, Jack, you want to listen? 
passport fraud when you signed the passport and it, it says everything is true and correct and you've lied on there, that's the law you're breaking, penalty of perjury. Yeah, but isn't that a man-made law? Like, it's not, nobody's getting harmed and you're not harming any property. Well, you're not supposed to lie, and you've told them that you didn't lie, and you did lie, and that doesn't fall. They've got, you know, in a common law courtroom, you put your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? In a common law court, Jack, in a common law court. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. All right. All right. Roger, if, if I may buttress that fact just a little bit, um, yeah. when you become a national, you go back to the law of nature, the laws of nature and of nature's God. And one of those laws is not to bear false witness. So if you lie on the passport application, you're, you're violating your very own law, the law you stand on. There, there's something in the Bible about thou shalt not lie, okay, somewhere. That all ties back to that, Jack. Man-made laws are called, there's two categories of laws. They're called, let me see if I can reach back and get that. Mala prohibita and mala in se. Mala means no, uh, no, you know, no prohibita, man prohibita, and a crime in itself. The common law basically is based on the fact that for there to be a crime, there has to be an injured party. Okay? Mala prohibita are man made laws that say, Hey, Jack, if you spit on the sidewalk, you're doing 30 days. See the difference? Yeah, I, uh, that does make sense. And one final point to that that I mentioned before is that right in the code, right everywhere it says what is a national or a U.S. national, it also says that nationality can be conferred on anybody by any means whatsoever. So you could literally just say your parents are nationals and they're nationals. No, I'm sorry. That's not right. I don't know where your thinking's going wrong here. You're in, they were under the presumption at birth the same way you were. And unless they agreed, I guarantee you, your parents, every time they were ever asked those two questions, they said yes and signed something. They agreed to it the whole way. If they did not officially file some type of a statement, doesn't have to be an affidavit, be just a statement or a declaration. And you could probably write it on toilet paper with a crayon and they'd have to accept it. But you've got to do that to officially overtake the presumption that you've agreed to all your life every time they've ever asked you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yes, Abram. Um, you know, following on that thought you had about uh, uh, the naked city and all the uh, the millions of stories, uh, whenever new students show up, uh, I, I see it as like hee-haw on the radio ranch. So it's a little more fun. Yeah. They spice it up. And that was, those are good questions by this last uh, speaker. 
by Jack. Yeah, he's been around a couple of months. I can understand people. And these are things we've just never been. You know, one of the things that I tell you that this information, when you get in, it changes your life. Well, this is one of the ways it changes your life, Abram. And I know you'll agree with this. Buddy, it sharpens your thinking, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yep, it's great. Nothing nothing better, actually. You can't stop sharpening that. I mean, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? You start learning to think along pen lines like this and delve and dice down in these words and these issues to get to the essence of it. Did you you used to think like that? Of course not. No. And it trains you to think like that. (laughs) All the time. So it's, a, the it's constructive the hee-haw when you guys yeah, show up. Okay. We love it. Yep, yep. Was that a hee-haw right there that I heard somebody want to say something? Yeah. Uh, am I coming through okay? Yes, now. Hello? Okay. Yes, we're here. Right. Um, I, I sent uh, my app, David, to the... State Department uh, back in May, uh, certified mail, and I wanted a, uh, a return receipt, and I never got one. Yeah. Uh, and I went on the internet to check to see if they'd gotten it, and they require a 22 number uh, uh, number. And I've only got 20 numbers on my receipt. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't able to check. It. All right. Well, I got a suggestion for you. I got a suggestion for you. Why don't you drop by the post office and talk to one of the clerks or ask the postmaster to check it. I think they may have another way to make that. But let me help you a bit in the fact that you need to understand that it was it was received the minute you put it in the post office. That's the policy. I know we get antsy and we want the green card and all that stuff. But, you know, just like the IRS, if the IRS sends you some correspondence to the last known address, even though you haven't lived there in 15 years, it's considered received. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, because I I didn't send anything to the IRS, uh, a copy of the IRS, because I didn't know. I was waiting on the green card. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, have you gone to the passport uh, line yet? No, I I haven't. Um, I got a passport years ago when I was fighting this. I didn't have a driver's license for 40 years. And a friend of mine, he suggested this, getting a, a passport. So I did, and one of the things I remembered after I got the passport was I forgot to tell them that I was arrested for no driver's license. So it was a mistake, but it's... Oh, it's, shit. I did it, and... Okay, who was... Remember, hey, hold so, on just a second. Who was asking about what lying on the passport, Jack, a minute ago? Here's your answer right here. I... What's your I name? What's your name, by the way? What's your what's your pardon? What's your name, by the way? Are you new? Uh, yeah, uh, this is my first time calling. I I listened to you on RBN, and when you went off there, I couldn't find you. And finally, I found you on uh, podcast and Castbox, and I, I finally I'm oh, I'm with you again. Okay, this good. What's your name? 
Great. Well, what's your name? Lee. Pardon me? Lee. Lee? Lee. L-E-E? Yes. Uh, Lee, what part of the country yeah. are you in? I'm in Missouri. Okay, good enough. Yeah, we got some folks in Missouri. Southern or northern, central, where? Uh, pretty, all, almost all the way to Arkansas. Well, that's where About I know we got Cindy. That's sent one of our good listeners. She was around here a couple of years ago. We hadn't seen her too much. She may be still listening. I hope so. She's in one of those towns down there. And, uh, you know, uh, one of those small towns, everybody lives there, grew up there and all that. They all know each other. So maybe, maybe we'll be able to hook you up with some of those folks. Anyway, we got some folks in your area down there, Lee, and welcome aboard now. Uh, so they, uh, what they rejected your passport application and kept your, uh, funds. No, no, I, I got the passport. Um, I, I know it's not enough, big enough deal or what, but I got the passport. But I'm huh? sort of antsy about getting another one because because that, I don't even remember exactly I don't what worry I put about on that. the passport. I should have. Well, don't worry about that. Now, how many years ago was that? Oh, 10, 15 years ago, something like that. No, man, Long you're all right. Ago. Just go ahead. Ten, well, all right. Well, you, if, if it was longer than 15 years ago that you got it, you're going to have to go back and start at the beginning with a DS-11 again, first-timer. If you can get that passport and it's uh-huh. within 15 years that it expired, you can use a renewal and you don't have to attach a birth certificate and it doesn't ask you the questions about your mother and your father on the 82. And you can just send it into the post office yourself. All you really need, unless you want to travel internationally, is a passport card and then you'll know that the affidavits at the secretary of state it doesn't matter whether you got your green card on it or not the reason we did that originally i didn't used to teach people to do that lee and the reason that happened is because of an incident in california with a brit who uh, he gets a hold of me he goes man they rejected my passport application and they revoked my outstanding passport and they kept my fees my money I went, what? I mean, that never happens. Only time it's ever happened. So obviously I'm curious about why. Well, he finally sends me the letter and it turns out he'd been pulled over as a Brit. He lived in San Jose. He wouldn't get out of the car. They had to break the window on the car and yank him out. They took him to jail, charged him with two counts of drunk driving. He somehow got out of jail and being a Brit, he thought when he got out of jail that the charges were gone. So he goes back and learns about us. He's got an open passport because he was naturalized and he goes back and applies for it with the past with an affidavit. And this happens. And so what had happened was they picked up those two drunk driving charges on the FCIC computer. And that's what they revoked his all that action on under the grounds in the letter. They had two sections of the code of federal regulations title 27 with two separate 27 regulations that they were invoking because all this had happened as their basis well if you've got an affidavit on file 
at least theoretically with before the passport application, then the code of federal regulations doesn't apply to you anymore. It's only for residents. So they may still do it, but at least you've got great grounds for an administrative appeal. So we went back and said, maybe it's best to just file a single page first, wait about 20 days, make sure it can get through some kind of channels up there, then apply for a passport. Now, I dare say there's very few of folks I think that stumble into here as our listeners that have egregious, outstanding stuff open on them. But that's why we adopted that approach. And then also the secondary thought of, I mean, really, can they see enough of these things at the State Department? Probably so. I mean, I have another question. I want them to see millions. I want them to see tens of millions of them. So send it to them two or three times. I might have to do that. I have another question, if I may. Sure. Okay. I inherited a uh, retirement account. From my dad, he passed away, and my mom passed away. And in order to get this, uh, they want to know, you know, if you're a citizen. And if you're not, they want you to file a W-8BEM. It's a certificate of foreign status. Is that right? What type of retirement institution is giving you this information? Uh, it's he, he worked for a college. It's a, a state no, no, educational no. retirement. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so it's a state re- retirement institution that's telling you because you get inherit your dad's inheritance and his. A pension, evidently, and they have instructed yeah. you that if you're a foreign uh, entity, you file a W-8-B-E-N. Wow. Mark, you listening? Yeah. Um, and also Joe, who's the one that originally came up with that recently around here for us, and just what you've given us, Lee, totally 100% confirms it. Okay. Uh, there's a few questions on there ahead. It says, uh, one of you are not an individual. It says, do not use this form if you are not an individual. Yeah, that's you. You you are a U.S. citizen or U.S. person, including a resident alien individual. Right, which you're not. Uh, It has a place for the country of citizenship. USA. Okay. And it wants a U.S. taxpayer identification number, of Social Security, or you can give them your Social Security number. Okay. Now, those are the main things. I was really hesitant to do this because I didn't know whether you know. the State Department got my... Affidavit 
Well, it, 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 they received it, whether they got it or not. It's considered received, and you've got the the proof that you mailed it. So uh, it doesn't matter. I would suggest you go ahead and do this thing on a passport and get it in secondarily and get that passport card as your ID. You said you didn't have a driver's license for a lot of years. But, so those are the things I'd suggest oh, you I move went. on fairly quickly. Lee. Roger, quickly. Yes. He's got a little delay. Um, I want to make sure we're not missing something. What? Right. Um, the uh, Who was it? Joe said that the W8BEN, at least with the electronic form, it was really interesting. If you drop down and you look at the options for country of origin, doesn't it have all of the states listed? I don't know. I don't remember. I, be, I, I funny, believe it does. See, I was... I was talking with Mark yesterday, and this subject came up, and he just read me what you read on the air a minute ago. It's like deja vu. I heard it yesterday, you know. So anyway, go ahead, Lee. What what, what were you going to say? Yeah, I I went and I got the driver's license after four okay. years. That was that was a big okay. thing too. <laughs> oh yeah, they didn't. They, I guess. I had to write to senator and all kinds of stuff. It was a big pain. Well, that's the thing with the lease yesterday. She was saying, well, I got this some kind of a license that was signed by the Secretary of State of New Hampshire or something. I, that doesn't sound like a government-issued ID to me. That sounds like one of these peripheral things, but I don't know. Anyway, I, it, it, my, as I thought about a little bit about that is what we've heard about as this new ID rules kick in around different states that it's like a nightmare to get a driver's license so uh, and yet in missouri you had go, go ahead please in missouri you had the option of either getting a real id or the the common id and common id is it just it's not too much of a problem the real id you had to do jump through more hoops and stuff but you had an option of either one. Right. Well, a nice thing is in reality, you know, that you're a national, you don't need their stinking license anyway, and your passport card, once you get it, will suffice for that. And I encourage you to move on that and not let too much grass grow under your feet on it. It's only 30 bucks, man. Okay. And they're turning them around yeah. in weeks now. They're turning people's ordinary orders, not expedited around in two weeks. So you should get it back real quick. But it sounds like you need to find out. if. Do you know where the other expired passport is? Uh, I'd have to find it. I haven't used it in years. And, uh, I just, well, what you, here, here's why you're going to need to do that. Unfortunately, that might be the most dogged thing here. You need to find it because you need to find it when it expired. Because that determines which process you use uh, to get the one you want. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned earlier how you know the Patriots for profits and how you've gone through all. I've spent thousands of dollars. I spent. I've been to jail a bunch of times, and I'm with you there, brother. I've. I just. I got tired of it. That's why I got the driver's license. Nobody was working. Yeah. Nothing was working. I've, I've known right. a couple people who lost their home. Um, yep. so you're, you're a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. New Thank hope. you. 
And that's one of the reasons I'm so uh, ferocious in what I do because I've been and experienced all that too. Okay. I had $35,000 stolen at my house closing. I had friends that lost stuff. I've been biting these son of a bitches for 30 years. And that's why I doggedly kept following John's teachings because I just knew there was something of great power there, you know? And uh, here we are. And we got them by the short hairs now. All we got to get is numbers. We get numbers and man, they're done. Okay. They can't stand. They can't stand this. They can't stand the exposure, and they can't stand us going back and having legitimate layers and and access to levers of law that we can come after them legitimately on now. Go ahead. Yeah, Roger. All right, hold on, Bruce. Hold on, Lee's not finished. Lee. Just just one one thing. I, I inherited some land from them to a farm. And uh, is use any of that for? I haven't paid any property tax on or anything yet. Um, has anyone been successful in avoiding the uh, property tax, the real estate tax? People have been successful at it, but we don't really have a cookie cutter approach that a lot of people have used and been successful at. There's still people struggling Roger. with trying to find that. We keep hearing about people that are working on it in small groups, but nobody's come forward mm-hmm. with a, with a, a remedy that I've heard about. It's not my ballywick, but I know a guy in, in Oregon that got it done on his property, and he had a fire on his property, and the fire department wouldn't come on his property because the property wasn't on the property rolls. Who was trying to say something there? Oh, this is John. I was just seeking clarification to the caller. Were you referring to like inheritance taxes on the property or the actual property taxes themselves? Uh, I didn't catch the first part of that. He said we. I, John's been through this. John's been through this recently, Lee, and he was asking. I think we'll repeat that again. John, talk a little directly, a little into the microphone. Yes. Um, I was asking if you were referring to like an inheritance tax and a tax on the value of the property, or if it was the actual real, like the property taxes that you were paying to the county in question that you were asking about. No, it was was the property tax in Missouri. They have one great thing. You can have a transfer on death. If it does, works with cars, uh, property, I mean, real estate, everything. And when you die, it automatically goes in your name. Oh, cool. Yeah. Good for Missouri. You got a good AG there, too. And a good senator. Yeah. 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 So, thanks, John. Good people in Missouri. I, I, yeah. I, I'm glad I don't I have anything to add on the property tax, obviously. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, now, that's an interesting point. If you're a national, you know, you know, one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto is big-time inheritance stuff, you know. They don't want anything passed down. So if it's in this instance, I don't know about Missouri, but maybe other states, would the person that passed away have to have been a national to avoid the inheritance taxes? Or because it's going to you and you're a national, you avoid them? I wonder. That's a fine point. I've never dwelled on it before. 
so on a farm, you're uh, presently allowed, I think it's $12 million uh, tax uh, of value. The first $12 million is tax-free. I think it's 12 yeah. I could be off slightly, but it's close. Um, and then after that, I mean, I, it, it would be based upon uh, the, the person receiving the property, not the person that, it, that it's coming from. Okay. On the person yeah, receiving so. the property. Well, that would, that would uh, yeah, uh, exempt you from inheritance taxes then, wouldn't it, John? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, not many people go over that threshold anyway, but for supposing right. you do, then there's a huge benefit to this. And actually, cool. um, I mean, that's originally what Abram mentioned to me because I was going through this process and he thought it might be helpful, you know, going back a year and a half ago. Um, Is that how you found us? Is that well, how you found us, really? I mean, kind of? Abram was, it was, Abram was already uh, aware of you all, and then he, he made me aware, but he just thought that it, practic for practical purposes that it may help me for taxes uh, on right. this estate transfer. Yeah. I see. So, well, it'll help help you. It, it'll help you in all kinds of taxes, won't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure will. Okay, John, thank Roger, you. Roger, can I get a... Uh, Roger, well, can I say now, something? Now, now why, why, God almighty, why? No, you can't, because Bruce is in line, and I'm not finished talking to Lee yet. But you can get in line behind Bruce, okay? So, Lee, are we? are you kind of finished, or what? Yeah, I'm kind of finished. I, I might I might say that I did the uh, loyal title, uh, and they had a copy. Oh, wait, what is the uh, uh, land patent? They had a land patent on this farm before I ever bought it. But oh, somebody really? took it from the uh, archives. They took it out of the uh, the records. Really? It disappeared. So I did it again. Good. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Unusual. No, that, well, Lee, welcome to finding us. You found the, the you know, the line and stuff. I expect to hear from you more as things go forward and I suggest that you start trying to find that passport and go through this process. Or you might could I'll tell you what you I'll tell you what you might could do. You might could call up the passport office and tell them your dilemma that you can't find it. And you need to know what the expiration, when it would expire, so you'll know which way to go to access a card. I'll bet you they can look it up in their database pretty easy. Okay. Might try that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. All right, thank Bruce. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Lee. You're, thank you. We'll be right here six days a week, buddy. Expect to speak with you again soon. Bruce, who is also in Missouri, by the way. Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to reference. So this is what I did. I uh, uh, filled out a new affidavit and sent it to the Secretary of State. And then I went to uh, the DMV and got an ID. And I handed them the affidavit, and they didn't know what to do with it. So they told me to come back next Monday and see if they could get it through the uh, fax uh, machine to the head office. And so... Um, I did that. They accepted it. They hadn't returned it. So it's in their hands. They know what I'm, in, I'm, I'm doing. 
And that's what okay. I did. That's all I've done. All right. I think if he's got a driver's license now, he probably won't. They won't issue him an ID because the driver's license acts as an ID. Wahib, are you still in the bathroom, front and center? Wahib. Wahib. Okay. Anybody else got some comment or question? Boy, Let's go to the birth certificate. That's a deep. That's a deep well. You get no answer when you're drawing. It just keep, that rock just keeps falling. Okay, that's what I yeah. wanted to talk about today, and go back to that, and draw it back to the analogy of the uh, the mother saying we didn't have a pot big enough, so we just clipped the ends off, and how something goes generation to generation, or in this application, person through person through person, and. People keep repeating it, and it all comes from something that didn't really have any bearing on it. Okay? Get the picture? Right. Hey, Roger. Cora. Get the correlation we, we're trying to do we, here. Yeah, before we get into that, I noticed that Gary unmuted himself in the conference room. I don't know if he's got a comment. They're usually very quick. Gary, did you have something you want to jump in with? He usually says, hey, Roger, you're not too shy about it. Okay. <laughs> What? Okay. I heard my name. <laughs> uh, well, you were in here unmuted, and I was just wondering if you had a comment or something to throw in there. It's well, unusual that Gary I, doesn't have a comment. <laughs> okay, Roger, you try to say I'm a big mouth? <laughs> no, I'm just making, I think, an appropriate comment about my old well, buddy's always got something to say. I know you don't. I know I Gina did. says you're not opinionated, but I don't know if I agree with that. You caused her to laugh, so that's worth a thousand dollars, Roger. <laughs> I didn't get to listen to yesterday's show, but I'm hearing a lot of stuff about a birth certificate on today's show because I stayed home from work because we got another foot of snow last night. Oh, so, goody, wax your skis. Yeah. Uh, I don't think my knees will hold up to skis anymore, Roger, to be quite honest. <laughs> Just to let you know, I've skied all over Japan. I've skied all over yeah. Colorado, Michigan. Right. Yeah, I, I was an avid skier back in the day. My my single favorite thing to do on this earth is that right there. Oh, it's a blab. I still remember the five-mile run at Keystone in Colorado. You can oh, just yeah. get on there and cruise. Yeah. yeah. Cruise. Go slow, yeah, fast, Summit. whatever you want to do. Summit County. Yep. But anyway, I keep hearing this talk about this birth certificate thing, and I've been I'm down that rabbit hole. I, I, man, okay, I'm trying good. to get to I've it. I'm trying to get to it. Been down that rabbit hole. I've been down that rabbit hole for 20 years, and you always hit a dead end. So I yeah. just wondered if this, well, point, if this gentleman yesterday presented any facts. No, he didn't. He law. came on. No, no, he came on. A new guy came from the Tuesday night thing, and he goes, uh, I wanted to ask a question. He's very polite, kind of solemn, you know, uh, uh, and, and uh, he said something about, do you, what do you do? This is what I think I remember. What do you do about the entity that's created from the birth certificate that's represented with all caps? What do you do about that? 
And after the previous call, what I'd had with with Elise, I was about at my wit's end anyway, almost. And I, I just rather than go into all that, here's a brand new guy. I'm sure he doesn't not familiar with anything else we do or teach, and probably only heard me the night before the first time. And he goes, "You're wrong." Yeah, I, actually, <laughs> I, I just I just kind of lost it a little bit in my mind, Gary, and you understand why. See. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the only so, connection I've been able to come up with on the birth certificate is law of agency. You you agree to be the agent for that all-caps letter, I mean name, that's it. And and when you do that, just like under being a U.S. citizen, then when you agree to it, then, hey, you're treated as a U.S. citizen slave. And the same well, way with that all-cap entity that they send you bills and everything else to, I, is when you pay them, hey, you just acted as the agent for that. It's just like the micro on your checkbook. Uh, you know, we've had this discussion with Brent. Brent doesn't think there's anything to it, and that just may be a follow-through from the fact that they always used to use capital letters in some of these documents. Some of the older well, texts are, are all written in capital letters. I, You know, and I... I don't know about that, and part of the point of mentioning it is you can't prove anything, okay? That's it, exactly. So, like I said, Roger, I've been down now, that rabbit hole 20-plus years and haven't found any. Right. It's a rabbi right. hole. Yeah, a rabbi. Well, let me yeah. just say that I wanted to address this today, especially for the newer people. I don't know if Stephen's with us or not, but I wanted to explain to you folks how we approach things like this. And then I'll let you make the ultimate decision. Because in the end, the decision ultimately is yours, isn't it? Anyway, as to who you're going to learn from, who you're going to follow, who you trust, and all that stuff. Okay? So I I, I wasn't going to go into all that yesterday. And I certainly wasn't in the mood to do it at the time. And then after the show, he, he hung around. And he, after the show, he came back he politely. Can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. And he said, do you have a birth certificate? And I said, yeah, I got three of them. Certified copies right there in the closet here with me in Ecuador. Okay. And he never said anything, didn't say any conclusions or what in his mind that caused or any of this stuff. It's all nebulous. Now, I want to ask you a question. We study our enemy around here a lot, don't we? How they do things, how they set up all these equivocations and how they hide definitions and change labels and do all that kind of stuff to hide this and pull this off. We talk about that virtually every day, don't we? Don't we, Gary? Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. Okay. So my question to you is, are you so naive that you think the guys that set this system up would lay the nugget right in a public document called a birth certificate? You think they're going to put the answer and pull the, the deal off in that document? Then you're extremely naive, and you don't know these guys very well. That's first comment. Well, it's just not that, Roger. You can't find any statute law anything that relates to that okay so i wanted to go back and say well i was hoping steve be with us today because i'd like to have this conversation with him all right uh so the question is uh what do you know about birth certificates you're so sure that i'm wrong nobody's ever proven me wrong on anything in 13 years you'll be the first i'd i'd like for somebody to do it so if steven's out there i'd like to talk to you about it okay 
He probably isn't. So we're going to talk to the rest of the audience and build the rest of the show around this and do a little education in the process. Okay? Roger. So, it's a uh, rabbi Oh man, I'll tell you. Yes, why? Yeah, because he because uh, Paul Dave keeps blocking me. Why? Hold on, Dave. Hey, Dave. Please hush up and let me talk to Why? Shut up. You got a problem with that? Somebody be it, hit mute on Dave. He's got his mute off. Why? Yeah, I I need to say something before Paul blocks me again. I keep getting blocked because 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 of what because of what that guy said about me yesterday. And he suggested that I be God. Why you're going to get me? I am not muting you. An hour after we got off the show, there were comments made that I needed to be booted off permanently because. According well, to this you person, I don't. Re- and you totally, you jump in here, you totally throw shit out of left field in the middle of an ongoing conversation, and people don't appreciate it. There you go. Can I say it more directly? It's not that we don't want to hear from you. It's the the way that you do it. So, Wahib, come on. You get like everybody else. Can I get a question? The nature of the forum dictates the way we have to do this. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. You're working. You have to run into the bathroom to talk, and you're listening on your phone while you're doing your job. I can't help that. But when you come on, you've got to have some consideration for us here, I think, too. Okay. So, Wahib, how can we help you? Uh, no, I just, I was on topic. And I, every time I'm on topic, somebody tells me I'm not on topic. I asked about what was the guy's uh, what? Uh, Wahid. number. Wahid. Wahid, I explained this hey, to you so yesterday. The okay. discussion was not about Dr. Shiva. Dr. Shiva's name was mentioned in a long list of connections that somebody that was excited about the show before, the evening before, had reached out to. You drilled down into Dr. Shiva and turned it into a Dr. Shiva show. That does not mean that it's on topic because you simply used a word that was mentioned. Dude, calm down. Have some dip while we talk about birth certificates. And I don't, and I don't know why you can't get a hold of his conference call. We don't have any idea. It's not our business. Okay. Well, we are talking about something here today that is really important. And brings an awful lot of bearing on what we talk about and the situation we're all in. And we're trying to clarify something that did happen yesterday. Okay? So that's what I've been trying to, let's see, what time is it? It's 10.55. I've been trying to get to this subject for 45 minutes. Oh, an hour. Okay. Almost an hour. 
And in two minutes, we're going to sign off for WBOU. So So, let's do that right now. So so for the folks in Chicago, Paul, you know what they say in the Russian Marines, don't you? No. Tufsky Shitsky. You're going to miss the whole story (laughs) and the whole point of everything I wanted to cover today. Oh, no, they're not. Sorry, Chicago. You're out. Sorry, pun intended. Sorry, Chicago. You're out in the cold again. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 106.9 WBOU-FM in Chicago. If uh, any of you listeners want to follow us into the second hour to grab this valuable information about the birth certificate, please go to ExposeTheMatrix.com. You can either click on the EurofolkRadio.com link and catch the live stream. You can click on the Global Voice Network link. You can catch the stream. And why not? Everybody else does it. You can click on the free conference call link, and you can actually join us on the show. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do for a Thursday? Even birdies in the trees do it. Everybody does it. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 106.9 WBOU, the pulse of Chicago. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. Yes. Thanks. And hopefully your your migrant mental distress will be addressed. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Okay. Let's talk birds. Okay, sign off for them. Good Lord. You really want to? Okay. Yeah, they're going to disappear. They're going to disappear with literally. Okay, sorry guys. Well, all I'll tell you is it's important. So Gary's right there. He's been researching this for years. So uh, Gary, you looked into it for twenty years. You never could find anything of substance or entities or all caps or gold friend flags flags or any of that stuff, could you? Oh, I don't think he could. That's why he found us. And uh, that's okay, man. So oh, let's let's look at what we do know. I'd like to ask Gary a question too, since Stephen isn't here, and maybe Gary can answer from his twenty-year experience, self-proclaimed. Uh, Gary, when did birth certificates start? Oh, nineteen twenty-one, I think, with the Birth Certificate Act. Now, well, you've heard us cover that on here. We've talked about this before for the audience, so he's probably not a good guy. I ought to have a, a newbie on here. And the answer to that is they started in 1921, the legislative session of 2122. Why is that important? Do you want me to answer that or not? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, well, you can. You can. Maybe I ought to ask. But well, Paul wouldn't be fair either. Okay, Gary, why is that important? Because they switched the system in the bankruptcy, and they started using the birth certificates as collateral on your future and income they, and taxes. And they had that schemed out, and they set it up. 10, 12 years ahead of time when they pulled the trigger in 1933, in 1921, 
they started piling up birth certificates. Birth certificates had never been around before. Previous to that point in time, births, deaths, marriages, etc., were all listed in the family Bible. And that's still acceptable in court today, by the way. And talking about that here one day on the show a few years ago, Brent realized that in his Bible, he did not have that page, and he went back and put that page in his Bible because of that discussion and what we talked about here on the show that day thought that was kind of cool gary so yes that's part i think of the big reason would you like to confirm that if you'd like to confirm that for your newer people you go over under the new student section there on the web page and you find dr gene schroeder's war and emergency powers act and in showing you a wrath of exhibits and telling the story of how they did this and proving it beyond a shadow of a doubt, he will tell you that when they switched the system over, they designated through the Treasury that they could use certain documents as collateral. Well, now you need to know a little bit about that bankruptcy. And you need to understand that that wasn't from the 29 stock market crash, that they bankrupted the country in 33 in the bond market, in the debt market, okay? And so that's why one of the reasons Roosevelt took the gold. It had to be, I'm speculating a little bit, connecting some dots here, by having a vast amount of knowledge and understanding about the uh, the issue in this situation. But previous to 33, see, all contracts had a gold settlement clause in them. Well, if they bankrupted it in the in the bond market, the bond is a contract. You're, you agree to give them this money up front, and they're going to pay you this money back in coupons. There was a gold settlement clause in it. When they bankrupted the country in United States of America bonds, they took the gold as the settlement in this, no doubt, hypothecated bankruptcy. You agree with that, Gary? He's still he's putting his mute on and off. So anyway, that's the way I see it, and I've been able to analyze it over all these years and understand it, and that was the technical reason Roosevelt took the gold. They took the gold in the gold settlement that was left. Evidently, behind the scenes, what was really going on was there was a big arbitrage between Europe and the U.S. in the spot gold price. And it was maybe as much as 10 or $15 an ounce higher in Europe than it was in the U.S. And these creeps went in and stole as much as they could get and took it to Europe to take care, advantage of that arbitrage and then declared the emergency and the bankruptcy. And because of the shortage and the run potentially on the banks as that got out and confiscated what was left, then they switched the systems. Okay. So now we've got to switch from the bankrupt United States of America bonds. We've got to switch over to the new federal United States in receivership in bankruptcy bonds, don't we? 
Well, this is where the the birth certificates, the pile of them they had piled up for 12 years acting as a warehouse receipt now are attached to the new bond issues under the United States. Not the United States of America. And the new system starts. So that's the transition. That's the importance of these birth certificates. And that's the place to verify everything I'm telling you. Yes, who had something to say there? My name is Gary. I'd like to give a little more background, if you don't mind. Okay. The, uh, imagine this. They had put everybody in, in Depression-era times. As we all know, we've heard it called the Great Depression. So what happened was people lost their jobs and so forth, but they had some gold or silver, whatever, on file at the local Fed bank. Well, when those people came to collect that money because they needed it to feed their families, pay their mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, that's when the Fed stepped in and says, well, we don't have the gold. They went to president and said, uh, Oh, we don't have the gold, and that's when they declared the bankruptcy. But the reason they didn't have the gold is because of what Roger said is arbitrage. And the arbitrage was $25 an ounce in the United States, or 20 and then 60 yeah, in 20. Europe. Yo, yeah, so they it took, was that big? They, they took, oh, yeah, I've got proof of that. Uh, that so then they, so they had confiscated, not confiscated, they had stolen... The Federal Reserve had stolen people's money, which is going to happen here soon again. But anyway, there is no by point, not if you got it in a good by, safety deposit box outside of the financial system. Like yeah, you better not have Go it ahead, in a Gary, safety deposit. Don't have it in a safety deposit box in a bank. You're better no, off no, no. going out digging a hole, digging a hole in your garden, putting it in a hole. But anyway, called call, called midnight gardening. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure make a note so you know in some kind of code so you know where you buried it. You know, you remember <laughs> you know what's coming to me lately. I remember Robbie Noel used to say something. It's come back to me now, and he he'd say, "Gold and silver are the only assets that don't have to bribe you to own them." Exactly. The other one other point I want to make, Roger, and that's in my opinion, it's super important. And that is the fact that based on the United States census, because of the actions of the Fed and the government, they killed hear me, they killed over five million Americans. Now that's a documented evidence. So don't think, please do not think that they'll hesitate or anything about killing us. We were they declared don't. the enemy. We were declared their enemy in 33. If you go watch Gene Schroeder's video and have it, yep. they took a, a piece of 1917 legislation called the Trading with the Enemies Act. That's what his whole deal is titled. And there, before World War One, they declared Germans the enemies. What they did in 33 was brought that legislation forward exactly word for word, except they substituted citizens of the United States for Germans. You've right. been at war with them since 33. Folks, March, March the this is why Trump, a, a couple of months ago, all this flurry of 
suits they're trying to hit him with. He's up there publicly said, they're charging me with a 1917 piece of legislation, trading with the enemy act. Yep. If you don't know this, go back and watch the Gene Schroeder video. It's all in there. It's all proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Go ahead, Gary. Well, I'm just, I want to emphasize, emphasize, emphasize the point that people, you've got to understand you're at war. You've been at war for a lot of years, and there's tons of evidence out there to support my statement. Yeah. Period. And don't yeah. think that they won't do whatever they got to do to maintain the control. If they've oh, got to bring in a Southern it. Army. They're lo- and they're losing it right now, and I think they're freaking out, Gary. Now, is there anybody in the audience that wants to comment on where we are now and what we've covered to this point? Hey, right, yeah. Thanks. Hey, I got to go. I got to right. shovel the snow off of my solar panels. Oh, you better get your – man, Gino, whip you. Get your butt out there. We'll see you later, man. Is that Wayne? <laughs> Yeah, hey, Roger. Uh, hey, Wayne. Just wanted to make Good. a quick comment on this subject right here. And I am pretty sure I've heard that when they did the gold confiscation, it only applied to U.S. citizens. And, oh, yeah. And again, so if people need another switch the national, that's, that's a good one here. And they just switched everybody. So how, how could they go free? How could they go take and confiscate and send to prison 10 years a French citizen that had a, a gold rooster over there? Yes, Paul. Um, I was talking to somebody uh, Sunday or whatever, and it was talking about a, a guy that he works with or a guy that that works with him. He's a locksmith. And the guy has been busy 24-7 because all these smaller banks are being consolidated together into bigger banks. And because this guy is a locksmith, his job is to open all of the safety deposit boxes at these banks so the contents can be inventoried. Yep, yep, yep. And that is happening, and Yellen made the public announcement, and J.P. Morgan is the bank that's been assigned to own and take over a bunch of those banks. And they took over a couple, and they stopped. And I'm listening to a Jim Willie, new Jim Willie interview, and that's exactly what he's talking about. Uh, so I haven't gotten through the interview because I had to stop and do the show. Okay, But that's what's happening right now. They're taking over banks. So if you have something in a safety deposit box at a bank, get it out of there. They're going to do like a a zombie bank deal with those banks, and they're going to leave them open, and they can do everything, be predatory, take over property, confiscate uh, uh, people that are derelict on their loans, for instance, commercial loans, take over the property, but they, that bank, can't make a loan. Hey, Roger. Uh, Did that... Friend Wahib again. Yes, Wahib, how can yeah, we help you? Roger, what is what channel is that uh, Jim Willie program on? What chat what uh so what, what, a link one? to it? Deforest News. Deforestnews.com. Okay. That's why he's got a day or two ago, might not be there. That's where it came from. Okay. So uh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm 
pretty much made up my mind. I'm a, I've got a little bit of a relationship with Willie. We haven't had any communication in a few years, but I'm gonna. Uh, I think I'm gonna pay him to consult with him and and tell him all this stuff. That's I, I couldn't get it to him before years ago. I got frustrated and. Anyway, that may be the answer, uh, and he'd be a good mouthpiece for us, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, he would. So, uh, Wayne, are you still with us, Wayne? Hope so. Always enjoy having Wayne along. Got good knowledge, Roger. knows what he's He's been studying this for a long time. Wayne, did you hear Willie speculate the other day that Texas was going to join BRICS? Yeah, I tell you what, that was uh, – I had not really heard that one, but – it really does not surprise me because, like you said, I think it's uh, one of the Bass brothers has been pushing Texas to do oh, just yeah. that, to have uh, gold oh, be, yeah. uh, you know, backing for whatever coming down the line. And along along these lines, Roger, uh, just a quick note that I'll post this interview, but uh, there's a lady from ITM Trading that interviewed that oh, David yeah. Webb recently, and he's the guy that wrote The Great Taking. And, again, he reiterated uh-huh. that. All these stocks and bonds and all this paper are in big pools right now, and they're the ones that's the uh, assets backing all the derivatives market. Okay, so when that starts to unwind, these big pools of funds that people think they have are going to get swept away, and they will end up with nothing. And he said that's what exactly what happened in the Great Depression. People woke up one day; they had no money. Oh no, they'll they'll end up with something, Wayne. They'll end up with equities in a bankrupt financial institution. Well, they're still going to have their mortgage. They're sure not. They're going to keep uh, the mortgages uh, viable, but uh, people are not going to have the money well, to pay them. So this one pass. Do y'all, have y'all heard of a thing in the real estate business called an acceleration clause? Familiar with those, Wayne? Yes, sir. For the audience that isn't in your mortgage, they can call any mortgage due and payable in total at any time. And if you don't pay within whatever time they give you, you're out. They take it over for something they never even lent you money for, by the way. Uh, it was whole thing's a scam, top to bottom. The more you learn about it, the more you hate these bastards, I hope, and the more you hate them like me, hopefully the more the, you want them to get justice. And we're told, we're told in Revelation 18, fill her cup double what she served you. You know, if God was going to do it, he'd say, I will fill her cup double, wouldn't he, Wayne? But he doesn't say that. He says, fill her cup double. Somebody's supposed to do this. Fill her cup double what she served you. Fill her cup double. Says it twice. Okay. How do you how do you repay these bastards double what we know they've done? Just just what we know. There's a whole bunch they've done we don't know. Oh, I know exactly how. I know, I know exactly how. For every person that files a national affidavit and becomes a national, you take one penny off of the $35,000 that the IRS stole from you. And everybody that files a revocation of election and takes money out of the IRS, you take one dime 
off of the $35,000 they stole from you. You see, one of the things that would even come at least, I don't know, never never approach being satisfying that dictate of fill, fill her, uh, give her double, but at least it'd go a long way, is the humiliation publicly to get them exposed as being rotten slavers, thieves, liars, murderers, pinned with every war in our country back to the Civil War, that there's scars there that we still deal with today that have never been healed. Right. Chop, chop. Hey, Roger, I heard, I heard, that, I heard that they were going to tell everybody the way to convince everybody that they're going to forgive all debts if we sign over everything, something like that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, they'll get you to give up a disclaimer, and you'll sign over. And here's here's what here. Let me give you another frame on that whole approach, Wahid. In Canada, they'll go, okay, we'll get, we'll take care of you and give you all of this money every month and everything for twelve months, and then after twelve months, we're going to euthanize you, and you sign a contract to do that. Okay, let's move forward. Anybody else Rod. got any comments or questions? We're still on this yeah, birth Rod. certificate. I'm going to get it covered in two hours, come hell or high water, okay? <laughs> Roger? Yes, yes. Yeah, hey, this is Dwayne, New Orleans. Hey, Dwayne. Um, on the, yeah, hey, been a little chilly down here, but we're, we're, we're doing good. <laughs> Finally, okay. it's sixty degrees today. But um, oh, on your on the on the accelerated uh, concept of the, in the contracts of the mortgages, one of the yes. ways that they actually execute that is when they drop the value of a building goes below your original contracted amount. Say it's a hundred thousand dollar house, but because of the economy, your house drops to sixty thousand dollars or a commercial building. You I'm have to come up with the capital. Oh, well, you, you have to come up. They, they do a capital call. They do a capital a call for you to be. It's a margin. But cut to, it's a reverse. Well, but, it's a margin. So you come. Well, it comes back into the original LTV of the loan. It's what right. they want you to do or below it. Right. So that's that's one of the ways that they actually uh, they execute that. Now, um, one of the things I've been looking, reading the book, uh, Mel Stamper's The Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. And on right. page 59 and 60, if I may take a few minutes to read it, it'll cut into your birth certificate thing, but it directly addresses it. Okay, go if, ahead. If, if it's okay. All right. Uh, this is on page 59, goes to page 60. Edward Mandel House had this to say in a private meeting with Woodrow Wilson. And these are from Woodrow Wilson's private papers. Quote, very soon, every American will be required to register their biological property in a national system designed to keep track of the people, and that will operate under the ancient system of pledging. By this such Bam, methodology, oh, stop, you can stop, 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 right there. Okay. Operate under the ancient system of pledging. That's the oath of fealty for the feudal system that he's referring to. Go ahead and just start again. But that's what okay. there is your proof that, again, in many ways that we're in the feudal system, right out of Mendel House's lips to Woodrow Wilson. No, and founded well, Woodrow and Wilson's is, effects. Yes, go ahead. Noel, yeah, quick. so uh, 
first that was the first sentence. Very soon, every American will be required to register their biological property, aka themselves, in a national system. That was my quote. Um, in a national system designed to keep track of the people, and that will operate under the ancient system of pledging. By such methodology, we can compel people to submit to our agenda, which will affect our security as a charge back for our fiat paper currency. Every American will be forced to register or suffer not being able to work and earn a living. They will be our chattel, and we will hold, their secure, hold the security interest over them forever by operation of the law merchant under the scheme of secured transactions. Americans, by unknowingly or unwittingly delivered the bills of lading to us, will be render, rendered bankrupt and insolvent forever to remain economic slaves through taxation secured by their pledges. They will be stripped of their rights and given a commercial value designed to make us a profit, and they will be none the wiser for, none the wiser for not one man in a million could ever figure out our plans and if by accident one or two would figure it out, we have in our arsenal plausible deniability. After all, this is the only logical way to fund government by floating liens and debt to the registrants in the form of benefits and privileges. This will inevitably reap us to us huge profits beyond our wildest expectation and leave every American a, a contributor or to this fraud, which we will call social insurance. Without realizing it, Every American will insure us for any loss we may incur, and in, and in this manner, every American will unknowingly be our servant, however begrudgingly. The people will become helpless and without any hope for their redemption, and we will employ the high office of the president of our dummy corporation to ferment this plot against America, close quotes. There you go, Mr. House. I hope uh, if you've never heard that before, that's an awful lot to take in. I've got part of that in my book, not all of it, but he lays the whole thing out right there. Well, Roger, this is a PDF you can get off the Internet, and it's page 59 yeah. and the top and, of page 60. Fruit of the poison from a poisonous tree. Right, and the author was a fed, was a federal judge and a federal prosecutor also. Yes, was that Dave? Highly respected, yes, sir. Yes, so, very good. Right, that's it. Me. I'm going good. back on mute. Thanks. Good you to hear Dave from you. Got Dave in the thumb. Thanks, Roger. Stay out of... Stay out of the uh, stay out of the Mardi Gras parades, man. I got one of our buddies here is coming up there, bringing his Ecuadorian girlfriend to Mardi Gras for the first time. <laughs> uh -oh. I'll see you, Dwayne. Check in more often. Uh, yes, D uh, Dave. Yes, sir. Uh, remember, folks, R plus D equals R. It is our right. It is our duty, and therein lies the remedy. LibertyTreeRadio.org. LibertyTreeRadio.org. Thanks, Roger. Okay, Dave. For for a short commercial break, little promotion on the side. Who are that? Who's the, who are they? Liberty Tree Radio. That's Mark Cornkey. Oh, is it? Is yes. uh um. Did I tell you, I was telling my, you know, I got a buddy here, Walt, from Detroit, the musician. 
And I was telling oh, yeah. him I had uh, Sheriff Dar Leaf on last Friday, and and I said he bear from Barry County, and he goes, oh yeah, that's right in the middle of the militia heart of militia country. <laughs> and I said, well, I never thought about it, but I'm sure that's probably true. Okay, so uh, evidently Sheriff Dar is right in the heart of Michigan militia, and that's Mark Cornkey, and he's one of the old guys that used to hang around this movement, and uh, him and a guy named John Stat Miller used to be partners, and somehow Mark Cornkey went to federal prison for seven years, and John Stat Miller went and started a radio network. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by so the way, happened, didn't it? Mark is Mark's pretty north of there, but right there um, in uh, Hillsdale County, I believe, um, Dave Stone. He was the commander of the Hutari militia that the feds went after back in the 90s, and he, yeah. beat, he beat them in court. Well, he's still the commander. That, that militia is still running strong. He's, he's also the, the township supervisor of a township in Hillsdale County, and he comes on cool. Liberty Tree Radio quite often, and he spills a lot of data. He, he, you know, he's in all these meetings as the township okay. supervisor, and he's exposing a lot of stuff. So um, I don't know what his relationship with Darleaf is. I missed that call. Um, but, uh, yeah. The, well, um, he, he didn't name names. he just came. Darleaf's a good guy. I really liked him. I hope to get a chance to talk to him again. So, uh, anyway, we sent him our stuff. I mentioned it to him briefly uh, and sent him uh, that Uncle Sam Badass Uncle Sam interview, which will – hey, uh, Dwayne, if you see Michael, tell him that people really like that interview. That was a real good one, and I sure appreciate his efforts and what he did with that, okay, next time you see him. Um, okay, great, Dave. We got that out of the way. Can we go on to the uh, birth, rest of the birth certificate stuff, please? Can we? I yield. Anybody else? Roger, can I say yeah. one thing before we go? Can I say just one thing before we go to birth certificate? I don't know why not. Why? Okay. Uh, look in the chat. I left that Star Trek thing, the Star Trek docu uh, docudrama. It shows you how the Second Civil War is going to start. The Star Trek put out a show uh, a couple of years ago, and it describes everything in detail, dates and time. I left it in the uh, chat. Okay, thank you, Aib. If you're interested, avail yourself of the Second Civil War dialogue and diagram. We're going to go back here to what they've done to us to enslave us, to allow them to get to this point, to be able to do all this crap they do, and how to unravel it. And part of it that we're discussing today and trying to use this as an educational moment is this document that's been a very contentious document in our community for the entire time I've been in it. And it came up again yesterday. Yesterday. And I want to show you now that we know what's going on and we've got these proofs like we just went into the origin of it, why it was used, why it was done, how it was done, what the backing was, how they were taking all that stuff, pretty much facts. Okay. So uh, then I wanted to go and tell you about what we learned again as facts from the hospital itself 
We haven't. I got an old student. He hadn't been around here in years. Don't know what he's doing. Good student at the time. His name's Brian Howard. Brian, and you can actually go back and hear him tell this story. If you go back to the very start of the archives, in fact, you might ought to go back and find that episode and repost it on the main website because he tells both his Idaho driver's license story and this hospital story, and it's on a show with Brent. It's right at the start of the archives in December 5th, 7th, one of those shows years ago. This sip of water here. Anyway, Brian was a four-year full scholarship football player at the University of Texas, played defensive back. He's fearless, okay? And so initially he found us and uh, heard me on Joyce Riley, actually. And uh, he joined the show, and he would moved to Idaho, and uh, we were talking about getting a non-resident driver's license because I'd seen reference to one in a pamphlet put out by the state of Oklahoma. And I talked about it on the air. Brian had just moved to Idaho, said, I need to get them. I was in Texas. I, I need to get an Idaho driver's license. I'll do it. And so he goes up and tries to get a non-resident driver's license. And the whole story, he can hear it on that video, on, on that replay. I'm not going to go into it in any day detail here. It ended up going to the head guy in Idaho, who is the director of transportation for the state of Idaho. And we got into a second level of appeal, exhausting your administrative appeals, a direct appeal to him and his office. And he would not sign anything he sent out and went through all kinds of these legal shenanigans of you you responded too late or you did it too early or, you know, all that. And he wouldn't sign anything, all that stuff. Finally, in the last correspondence, he said, we can't issue a driver's license from the state of Idaho to anyone who's not a resident. So that was Brian's first foray. Did a good job at it, too. And he could have... I mean, he's a young a young man. He's working. He's got a family, two daughters who are going to come into play in just a second here. And I can't ask him to go, okay, you're going to take it to state court? Because that was the next step, take it to state court, discrimination. Okay. Uh, and, and so they, anyway, it would have been interesting. I know what's involved. He didn't want to do it. I didn't want to ask him to do it. So uh, what we do know, they won't issue you a state-issued driver's license unless you're a resident. At least at that time, all these migrants, hell, who knows? The second one is he got a burr under his saddle. Good metaphor for a Texas guy. He got a burr under his saddle about this birth certificate thing. It's, I'm going to, I was, he was born in Arizona. I'm going to get that revoked and see the thing is you don't sign a birth certificate. Your mother signs it. They don't even have the father sign it. The mother does, I believe as an informant and all kind of weird stuff. Okay. And so he got all on a bug on that. Even though he understood what we did, he still had uh, like this guy Stephen yesterday had some kind of an inkling that, and an idea that this is more. They they imported more importance to it in a different type of importance than it has. My opinion. I think we were improving right here in a minute. Okay. And so 
He was uh, moved back to Texas. He was an insurance, sold insurance. He moved back to Texas, and um, both of his daughters were born in the same hospital there in Austin. And so he went to the hospital. I don't know which one it was. I think there's two major hospitals in Austin. And so he went there, and he's dressed in T-shirt summer, T-shirt cutoffs, flip-flops, got his two little daughters in tow, and he goes up to the third floor of the hospital to the administrative floor, and he's t- he's got some folders. And this cover story here is he's talking to him because he's wanting to build a folder for his daughters with all their important birth documents so in case later on in life they needed to access them, they could access them easily. Very good cover story. Okay, very believable, especially when you're dragging them with you, you know. And so he goes up to the third floor and he starts uh, the discussion with the administrative lady. And she's going back and forth and she goes back into the file room and she comes out with a document called a VOF. It's called a verification of facts is what that stands for. Maybe I don't know if it's the same document they use in other states. I don't know if they call it the same thing. All I know is what I'm telling you that he experienced and relayed to us. You can go hear him tell the story. Paul, I, I really encourage you, if you could go back at the start of the archives or somebody that uh, does stuff like that around here and find that show, and let's put it on the website somewhere because it's important. These two issues are real important. This guy's telling you the story from his own mouth. Okay. I put a link to that show in the chat, Roger. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. So... She gets frustrated with him. Anyway, she gives him this paper. It's a verification of facts. And what's there is all the listings of the child's, you know, eye color, how big the feet, the little footprint maybe, all that stuff. And at the bottom, there's places where the mother and father can sign it, and it's not signed. And Brian keeps bugging her, and she gets frustrated with him. And she goes, look. I'm going to send you down to the basement to the third floor that handles all of this. And he goes, okay. And so they go to the third floor, go to the office, go up to the counter. Lady comes out. He goes through the same routine. And the lady looks at him and says, you're not going to hold anything. Now, I think she says, wait a minute. And she goes off for about 10 minutes and comes back. And that's when she says this. And she says, you're not going to hold anything I tell you against us, are you? I mean, no no incrimination there, huh? You're not going to hold anything I tell you against us, are you? No, no, of course not, never. So she tells him what the process is. So for any of you doubting Thomases out there, hope Stephen's listening, okay? I'm telling you the process straight from the bowels of the hospital that does it. The child is born. This document called a verification of facts is filled out. It's taken to a computer terminal in the hospital that is put in every birthing hospital in the United States 
by the federal government. It's got a very crude DOS-type system on it. It's not Windows or Apple or all that. Very crude. And they input all of the data from the verification of fact sheet, which is always unsigned by the parents. Very important. Why? Because we know it's the feudal system now. The child is born into the condition the parents were. It's presumed because of this bankruptcy and this surety that we just got read from Dwayne right out of Colonel House's mouth that they're going to attach his sureties in this condition under the feudal system, the ancient pledge. Okay. And that data is put into that computer. And it's then sent over to the Bureau of Vital Statistics. They don't sign it because you're under the presumption that you're a slave from birth because of this situation and the fact that your parents were both serfs too. Because none of them ever had an affidavit on file. Presumption, presumption, presumption. Now the data that's input into the terminal, put in the hospital by the federal government, and I believe that if the hospital is probably paid five to $10,000 for every one of these birth certificates that's generated. That's why they're so adamant to get a birth certificate for your child. We've got a couple of stories about that, too. Okay. Hold on. Hi, you got your, yes, Gary. You're way low. I've got documents that says it's a million dollars for the state. Okay, my, I'm a, I'm in the peanut round. I could be, don't know. They got a lot. Let's say they got a lot of incentive. If you could hit your mute gear, I'm getting some feedback off of that. So they pay them a lot of money, and that's why these administrators don't want to let you out of the hospital with a newborn if it doesn't have a birth certificate. And we had an instance of where one did get out. The children, they'd had one child they wouldn't listen to dad. It went through the process. Second child, they'd woken up. So the way that they thought they got around the birth certificate was not to name the child oh we don't know we hadn't decided on the name yet yada yada so finally they get out of the hospital with no birth certificate generated and the administrator of the hospital did it for them and sent it to them there's incentive there okay so regardless back on our story given to us from the woman that oversees the office of the process at the hospital after the verification of facts data is entered into the computer, it goes to the Bureau of Vital Statistics. When it goes there, they print the birth certificate. When the birth certificate is printed, it is then placed into a bank safe with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why?
because the usage that they're using it for, these are the merchants of the earth, folks. Talks about them, it's replete in the New Testament. What set of laws do you think the merchants of the earth use? Dwayne just told us in Colonel House's statement, the law merchant. What's the law merchant? It ain't admiralty. It's damn sure ain't maritime. It ain't because the water broke on your mama and you came down the B-I-R-T-H canal and got a B-I-R-T-H certificate or a B-E-R-T-H certificate. All this patriot people grasping for straws, grasping for something to explain the situation they're in to get out of it. These are the links they go to. There's a good guy named Billy that was following Tim Turner that got shot by a damn sheriff at his gate out in Arizona and killed because he was giving him this crap right here. Roger, it's called the Uniform Commercial Code. The reason they put it in a bank safe is because now it's you, the baby, that was born into a condition of voluntary servitude. Remember what House said? Utilizing the ancient pledge. That's the oath of fealty. That's the oath where you volunteer into servitude. They place you in that condition and then ask you to verify it. And every time until you cross paths with this information, Every time they ask you your whole life, I'll bet you a dollar to a donut that you answered yes and signed something, didn't you? These people are slick, folks. They ain't look at a piece of paper and come up with a form and entity, and it's all capital letters, and that's how I control you. You're a slave from birth, and you verify it, not understanding it. So keep a closed mind. Don't listen and understand this information and go on being functionally illiterate as a patriot. If you want to do that, do it. Your choice. We're all where we are because of choices we've made. Who was trying to say something? The birth certificate is effectively the original securitization document. They need to have that as the foundation. It represents the condition. So let's look at what a warehouse receipt is. It's an ancient commercial document. Okay. It came around. Let's take an example. Dwayne from New Orleans read us that passage. Let's say that we're down there on the docks in New Orleans, and you got a you got a bale of cotton. You know how much a bale of cotton weighs? What, well, hundreds of pounds, right? About you gotta go around pounds, the docks in New Orleans. Sure. Well, a whole bunch. I you got you got to get you about five hundred pounds. Something like that. You're going to strap one of those to your back, Dwayne, and go walking around the wharfs, are you? And, hey, anybody want to buy a bale of cotton? 
No, actually, I used to, but not no more. <laughs> I can pick up five hundred pounds. Well, the much easier way to do it is to utilize this commercial document called the warehouse receipt. And in that document, I encourage you to go look it up, read about it. Okay, not a big secret. Uh, in that document, it's a commercial document where, as the courts put it, the good takes on the paper. The paper takes on the quality of the good. In other words, the good, the bale of cotton becomes the paper. And the bale of cotton then takes on legally now, lawfully, a shadowy existence. Okay? So the bale of cotton becomes the paper. And now Dwayne can walk around the wharfs carrying a piece of paper. Anybody want to bale, buy bale of cotton? Boom. Yeah, who? Here it is. There it is over there. Go get it. Okay? Well, that's the concept that's being used here. That's why they put it in a bank safe. All right? So that then, uh, that's the secondary underlying hidden usage of the birth certificate. Now they take that because it represents you, and they go and attach it to the bonds. Isn't bond the root word of bondage? Here's the bondage. They attach that you in the warehouse receipt to the bond, and that's what gets sold to international uh, uh, speculators, houses, whatever. All right. Now, let's take the condition, villain. Go to Black's Law Dictionary, and you look it up, and it's going to be spelled V-I-L-L-E-I-N, villain. We say villain. It's spelled villain. If you go to the law dictionary, you're going to see a bunch of different kinds of villains. Give you an overhead definition, then they're different types, have different characteristics. Well, the one we're interested in is called the villain regardant. Villain regardant. And it says a villain attached to the land, property. And the land of the manor. And what did we find out Monday in the video? If you were a serf on the uh, in that on that land, they couldn't sell you and move you to another land. You, they they could sell the land and you'd go with it, but they couldn't separate you from it. Wasn't that interesting? Okay, so a villain attached to the land. Here you come. Here's the kicker. And transferable by deed in this capacity would a warehouse receipt with those characteristics representing the good with the good being the paper be a deed of ownership would it just like Mendel House said in what you read us Dwayne would that fulfill all those qualities seems like it to me okay it seems like it so, to me so there you go I think that's pretty ironclad proof, okay? Now, if you want to go down those other rabbit trails and chase all that Patriot stuff and think that the Social Security number is a nexus, that they'd set up a system where when it was originated for decades, you never got one of those till you were 16 years old or older and started to work.
I didn't even get mine. I was on Elmendorf Air Force Base in Alaska, and I got a job because my dad was on me to do that kind of stuff. I got a job with my best friend at the officer's club in the clipper room. You know what the clipper room is? That's where they wash the dishes for the Sunday officer's club buffet, okay? And I had to have a social security number to work at the base of the officer's club. So my dad just went by somewhere and got it for me. I never signed nothing. So you're thinking that that obligates me and is the nexus to the system? You're thinking our enemies would set up a system that you were free until you did something when you were 16 damn years old to get the authority over you? Quit being so naive. We're dealing with sophisticated people here. And if you hadn't learned that from the stuff we present, you need to go back and start looking at the basics again. This stuff is slick here, folks. These people are slick. They have fooled the whole damn world with this. Even our best attorneys. He, he, very school, very on our side. People like Robert Barnes. The 14th Amendment comes up and goes, the 14th Amendment was the great, what did he call it? The great leveler or something to that effect. The great equalizer. And, and equalizer. And he kind of had this beamy little beamy on his face, like, isn't that great? I'm going, yeah, man, it's great if you like equalizing everybody as slaves, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Raj. Yes. So basically what you're saying is that when uh, property is sold, anyone or anything that's attached to the property cannot be separated from the property. If it's that, well, if it's that type of a serve, it may be that that those characteristics of your contract ran with a, some type of surf and didn't with another. Remember, one of the designations they made and the difference was that if they could just sell you and move you all over the world or whatever, then you were more of a slave than a serf. Remember, they called this the English variety of slavery. Yeah. Okay, so basically what you're saying is... A person that's a person that's attached to land and that somebody has a property right in is no better or worse off than an outhouse on a piece of land. Exactly the same. Well, I mean, before you learned all this, did you have any idea that you were a slave? I mean, you might have no. some idea, no, I, but you could go out and you had a car. And yeah, you had to go get a license. You had a gun. Yeah, you had to go through this process, and you had to do this, but yeah, you had to do that. Did you feel like a slave? Uh, there are none so hopelessly enslaved. There are none so hopelessly yeah. enslaved as those who falsely believe they're free. Yeah. Wise words, for sure. So, are there any questions or comments on all that information, or anybody that wants to tell me I'm wrong on this, on this conclusion I've drawn with the birth certificate and what it's acting as, a warehouse receipt in, in, in our enemy? See, yeah, I mean, these things are still used commonly, all right? Uh, if you don't remember, a guy named John Corzine, who was a ex-Goldman Sachs exec guy, went and ran for, he was a senator from New Jersey, the governor of New Jersey, 
and and then he started a hedge fund called Global. Go, go, what was it? MF Global, I think. And 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 he got caught upside down in the Russian bonds, and he commingled a bunch of his accounts that he didn't have the power to do, and he stole a bunch of Gerald Salenti's gold. Gerald Salenti was hot as a wet hen about it for a long time. I think he got most of it back, okay? But one morning when that was going on, and I open up the news, and there's an article there, and it's from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. That's the, the futures trading thing. And the, there's some two guys going, Corzine couldn't have sold the gold. We got the warehouse receipt. Wow. Hey, Roger. Yes, Gary. Well. I don't know why this hasn't occurred to me before, but it's occurring to me now. They're not going to put all this in one place. I mean, the part that governs the hospital is going to be under one UCC code. Uh, the part that governs the bonds will be under another UCC code. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's probably, it's probably spread around under four or five or six different UCC codes, even the Department of Agriculture. And... And then if you do search that out, you're going to have to be able to recognize the, the words that the, because I'm sure in each UCC, they change the verbiage. So that's how they well, managed to the, hide it from us. Well, the, oh, you're talking about the great taking. Yeah. Well, that and, and uh, this whole, the hey, whole listen, thing, the whole these, system. These, are, these people are so shifty. They're so innovative. They're so plausibly denial, denial oriented and throwing up. All, I mean, these are the shiftiest some bitches that have ever walked the face of the earth. There's no telling what they've done. I, I can't control it, and I don't. No way I'm going to ever get all the answers. And if you get deep enough, you may end up dead, like Rob Kirby did. Okay. So anyway, all I know is I want to analyze it and understand it to a point where I can explain it to others and I can help people get out of it. Hopefully, in doing so, we'll get enough people that want to do that. It's got to be your choice that want to do that, that we build up a strong contingent of educated, solid, positive, empowered individuals. And then, man, now they've really got problems, folks. If we can hit that goal don't know what their reaction will be don't have any idea but i know it's big problems for them if this gets out there wide-ranging uh exposure so that's what we're trying to do every day and uh and like i said this guy steven yesterday came on accused me of being wrong i can't stop and go into what's taken most of a two-hour show here today at that point to explain to him of and i just said okay get out of here go aside and then thinking about it i said let's address it today so any of you people that heard that yesterday or have any doubts about the birth certificate now that you know a little bit more and i wanted you to have have an idea and a sense of why when we say and do things around here, I don't just pull shit out of my sphincter muscle, folks. What else right. do you pull out of there? <laughs> well, not, uh, no blood, no fake blood clots either. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> okay, okay.
So uh, we yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll drop the, the potty the potty humor. Uh, well, are there any of the newer folks in the audience who've got any questions or comments on all that, or anybody in general? Love to hear from you. Got a couple minutes left in the program, and I'm effectively done with what I wanted to cover. Star huh? six to unmute. Okay, well, evidently it was a taught, they taught a good lesson or there's nobody listening they weren't interested. Hell, I don't know. I just get on here and drop the pebble down the well hole, and if I hear it hit the bottom, you know, hopefully it'll tell me something. Uh, I, have, I believe that we picked up about 15 additional occupants in the conference room since the show on Monday. So I know there's new people listening. Okay. Well, that's the kind of stuff we do. I, these are the kind of shows I like to do. I like to teach this old stuff. Not very many people know it. I've, I've come to understand it. I didn't know it myself till I stumbled into this stuff and started studying it and asking questions. And then we started doing these shows. And now we got a bunch of people on here and we get on one of these topics and two or three other people that have been reading off in other books like Daryl. And he comes on and adds something we didn't know or we get a video like we played on Monday, the difference between a serf and a slave, and going into that old English history that we do talk about around here, William the Conqueror, the Doomsday Book, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'll tell you, one of the things oh, yeah. we're going to have is, oh, there's somebody. Yes, there's someone right there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it's Lady Linda Louise. I just wanted to um, share with folks that I did a FOIA to the U.S. Citizen and Immigration Services and asking them for evidence of me being a U.S. citizen. I did this last May, and they sent me a beautiful letter back with their, their seal, you know, gorgeous, and they said there is no evidence that I'm a U.S. citizen. So I thought I would add that letter to my communication to the Secretary of the State, Lincoln, um, just FYI for you all. You put that, that in. I already sure. knew I was a citizen because they said there was well, no evidence that I'm a U.S. citizen because I never did an oath to the U.S. Mm. government. So okay, well, that, well, that well you, but, but you were born here. See, you were born under that presumption we just covered. You don't have to prove anything. Every time, they ever, every time they ever asked you, you answered yes, didn't you? Right. Um not in the last five years, not since 2000. Well, no, ma'am, but I'm, I, uh, but uh, right. most of you're not, you're not, you're not, yeah. uh, are you, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be ugly. You're not exactly a spring gal in her teens now, are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But, you know, it but, takes time. To, it, it takes I understand. Well, you, so. Well, we can correct these, but there's only one way you can correct this. And I'm just making the point. I'm not pointing a finger. All of us have fallen victim to this trick of theirs. We all answered those questions, yes. I did my whole life. In fact, I, when I think about it, I was scared, to, kind of scared to not answer them yes, to tell you the truth. Yes, Paul. Roger. Uh, Linda Louise, uh, what agency did you send that to? the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. It's right on uh, okay. their website. You can do a FOIA. And okay. United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. Correct. 
All right. I'm, okay. I don't think she was she was trying to discount the fact that you have to file an affidavit to claim that you're a national and not a citizen. I think what right. she was bringing forward was another arrow for the quiver. When anybody tries to accuse you of being a citizen, you have a document that states you're not. From well, you see, here's here's the equivocation and the danger where we are right now. I am a citizen. I'm just a citizen of the United States of America with a capital C and not a small C citizen of the United States. So really, technically, I am a citizen. Do you think they sent that letter because that's what they would send anybody that made that request or because she has an affidavit on file? Did you no, already? I have, I have, when you, no, I lady, have, did you, I'm discovering the affidavit as a consequence okay. to the conversation. Okay. Okay. So, well, so you did. Okay, so you did not have one. Of, you didn't have one of those on file with the secretary when you queried with them, right? No, no. That's why it's so. Um, well, Telling. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And and oh, and, see, since night. Well, we got a little problem you. with a lag here in your phone, so I'm sorry. We're stepping on each other. I'll let you go ahead and talk, please. Say what you were going saying. I stepped on. I'm going to submit my letter with my cover letter to Anthony Blinken. So okay. I'm not only going to do affidavit. I'm going to have one more arrow in my quiver saying yeah. I'm being caught. Yeah, you'll put that in there. Yeah. Yes, you and non non ab initio. Yes. Since the beginning. There you go. Uh, please, there you go. Okay. Please, please, and you could tell old Blinky to please have his agents correct their records accordingly. <laughs> okay, well, there's the whistler. That means we're out of here. I, was anybody else had a quick question? 30 seconds. All righty. Well, that means uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Now, that's Brent territory tomorrow. For you people that are new to the program and have not heard Mr. Winters yet, we have uh, he's been a practicing attorney for 20 years, written, working, still working for 40 years plus on his own Bible translation. He's an expert on the common law. He's written a whole bunch of different books. He's extremely knowledgeable. I consider him to be a national treasure, and we have shows every Friday and have for 10 years or more, we think, and tomorrow should be no exception. So Brent will be with us tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Usually I... Some, an issue comes up and we get off on it or I just turn him loose and let him go and very spiritually oriented often. A lot of you will like that, I believe. And uh, otherwise than that, we'll uh, see you on Saturday when we're back and we'll see you uh, tomorrow with Brent. Hopefully, have a great day. Hope you learned something today. And, mothers, and don't you. forget about Paul English Live, 3 p.m. Eastern, oh, right. paulenglishlive.com oh, yeah. and it will Paul also show. be streamed yep. here. At 3 p.m. Yep. yep. Hope we learned you something today. Ciao.